Have you found the Gospel of Luke? Luke is mentioned not at all in the book of Luke. He is mentioned three times in the New Testament. One of those is in Colossians chapter 4, and he is called the beloved physician. Luke wrote, depending on if you wanted to get into a fine tune, some say he wrote most of the New Testament, but he only wrote two books. Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And those two books, Luke is the longest book in the New Testament. Not, not in chapters, but all that is recorded. Luke wrote that. And then he wrote the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul wrote at least 13 uh, books in the New Testament. And if he wrote Hebrews, and I lean toward that he did, then he wrote 14. But if you add all those up, uh, Luke was a very prolific writer in the New Testament. And uh, what a writer he was when he wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. Now, Matthew starts off the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So it starts. Mark starts off the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. John starts off, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then from verse 14, we learn that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Luke starts off with what is known as a prologue, which is where I had you to turn, which, with the Lord's help, is what we're going to look at together this morning. And let's begin reading. It's interesting, he starts off with the word, for as much as. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they deliver them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And in the gospel of the book of Acts, chapter 1, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. May it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval upon the reading, hearing, heeding, and preaching of his forever settled in heaven. Word of God, would you pray with me and for me, please? But I give you three quick facts about God. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Would you pray with me and for me, please? Father, we submit ourselves to thee today, how we need thee. Thou art a great God, and thou hast given us the book. And uh, there's no book like this book. And you want us to know the certainty of those things which are most surely believed among us. That we might know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast instructed us. Bless, we pray, this time together. Touch Pastor Bill. And Lord, for the things in his future, may you touch him and heal him and raise him up from that surgery. And I pray that you would just keep your hand on his ministry. Bless he and Kathy. And the ministry at Gospel Baptist Church. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Back in 1965 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, there was a radio station, a TV station rather, that uh, was not the number one TV station in their area. And so a guy by the name of Al Primo was trying to find some kind of a catchphrase, some kind of a slogan that would sort of catch on and maybe uh, draw a bigger audience for that TV station. And he came up with this little expression, eyewitness news. And that little title, eyewitness news, helped them to surge past the leading TV station uh, in that market. And uh, then when he moved later to another place, he took that slogan with eyewitness news. What I just read to you, I would say this is eyewitness gospel. This is eyewitness news of the gospel. You know, in this little prologue, do you get the idea that Luke, the beloved physician, by the way, Luke was a doctor, as I told you, he used more medical terms than Hippocrates, the father of medicine, used. Luke was a medical doctor, somewhere got, came, came to know the Lord, and wrote the book of Luke, book of Acts. He traveled with the Apostle Paul. No doubt he ministered to the Apostle Paul, who had a lot of physical ailments. And uh, there's an interesting phrase in one of the epistles of Paul where he said, Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. And uh, so that means he couldn't heal him with his power. And that Luke obviously couldn't help him at that time. You know, sometimes you just come to that place where you're going to die probably. And since we don't know when we're going to die, you need to be ready at any time uh, so that when you are absent from the body, you would be present with the Lord. So here is the Gospel of Luke written by this medical man, but writing under the inspiration of God because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. I want you to have the understanding that God is not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. God is not trying to deceive you. God wants you to know the truth, believe the truth, observe the truth, live the truth, walk in the truth, and uh, pass on the truth to the next generation. There's an interesting passage in the book of Proverbs. Let me just read it to you. Chapter 22, and the scripture says in verse 19, that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee, have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. In the Old Testament, that writer said, I want you to know the certainty of truth. I just want you to know the truth, the certainty of it. And here in this passage, uh, the Bible is saying, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth, set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Now, there are some things that are believed among us. There are some things that are most surely believed among us. Uh, and you know, that's a good safeguard for for preachers and theologians and writer of books about uh, Christianity. Uh, you don't have to be some kind of a maverick and come up with something that nobody's ever heard of before. You want to make sure, and this is a good safeguard for us, that it's in keeping with those things that are most surely believed among us. If I came up here with something off the wall that none of you had ever heard anything about, that, I, I, we've never heard that before. You know, now that we have the whole Bible that is complete for us, 
then a guy ought to be very careful about trying to come up with some new thing. You don't want to be like the Athenians, sit around trying to discuss new things and tell new things. Uh, but what you believe, you want to make sure that it is most surely believed. The Apostle Paul stood one day and he said, This I confess. I believe all those things that are written in the prophets. I believe it all. And I would confess to you that I believe it all. I believe that the Bible is the word of God from Genesis 1. Work your way through Malachi, Matthew, all the way through the book of Revelation. I believe the Bible. Do I understand all of that? No. But I believe it all. And I'm working on trying to understand. And, uh, you know, you want to understand what you can understand. Now, sometimes people have mental capacity problems that uh, they don't understand some things. And then sometimes uh, we get up in the age in which some of us here are, and you may forget some things that you used to know. This one older lady, elderly lady, was asked by her pastor, when did you get saved? And she said, I've been saved so long I forgot. And so the next service, she was in church, and he preached, and she came forward. And he said, why did you come forward? She said, I just want to make sure I had what I forgot. God just wants us to know. And he was writing this to a guy by the name of most excellent Theophilus. Now, Theophilus comes from a compound of Theos, which would be God, and Phileo, which would be city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Uh, it's someone who loves God, or someone might say it's a friend of God. Now, I do not know where or who Theophilus was as a person. Uh, and there probably was a Theophilus. But if you broaden that expression out, who is he writing to? He's writing to all the people who claim to be friends of God. He's writing to all the people who claim to love God. So that would be us. Now, not everybody, uh, this was not written to unsaved people. This was written to Theophilus, a friend of God, a lover of God. And he's writing that so that you might know the certainty of those things which are most surely believed among us. God wants us to be in the know. Now, we're coming up on the Easter season. I saw on your screen a while ago, you're having, a, as you all have for years, that sunrise service. And usually in the media markets, whether it's TV or magazines, there are all kinds of articles coming out and have been coming out on who is the real Jesus? Will the real Jesus stand up, etc. and so forth? And uh, what they're trying to do, they're not really trying to find out what does the Bible say about Jesus and emphasizing those things which are most surely believed among us. Uh, in reality, they are trying to create a new Christianity. They're trying to give us a new Bible, a new Jesus, a new gospel, a new church which is in reality no Bible, no Jesus, and no Christianity, and no church. Luke is saying, I want you to know those things that are most surely believed among us. Uh, there's a group that has come on the scene in the last just a number of years called the Jesus Seminar. Now, a lot of people, when they hear the word Jesus or hear something with regard to religion, they think it's got to be true, which is not true. There have always been those who have opposed the truth. When Jeremiah was preaching, one guy said, oh, no, no, we're not going to go into captivity and so forth. And 
Jeremiah said, well, fellow, I wish you were right, but you're wrong. And because you've taught rebellion against the Lord, uh, you're going to die. And he did. Uh, in the New Testament, we come to, there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. And you have, to, you have to be careful. Now, because there is a false, and the reason there is a false is because there's a true. And there are those who just didn't believe it. I'm reading the little story of Vance Havner. Vance Havner was a boy wonder at nine years of age. He was preaching in sometimes nine, 10, 11 years old. He's preaching to 1,800 people. Uh, and he was a Baptist, and he's a, a good guy. But when he got into his early 20s, he read a book by Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick, who was a liberal and a modernist. And he started playing with his mind. And for a couple of years, Vance Havner started downplaying the truth of the gospel and the word of God and started embracing liberalism. And he had enough sense to know there's no power in liberalism. There's no, there's no conversion, no changing of life. And uh, so he switched back over. He went back to Jugtown, North Carolina. Uh, Jugtown is where they made a lot of jugs, pottery, that kind of thing, and hence called Jugtown. And uh, he would get out into the woods and, and try to walk with God and learn God and his word. And he went back to his, to his roots. And God used him mightily. Uh, there are always those who are trying to uh, turn our minds away from the truth. And that's why this is so important. That Luke is saying, look, I want you to know what is true. Now, you would read things like this when these articles come out in these magazines and newspapers and uh, TV and that kind of thing on who the real Jesus is. They said, now, folks, you've been, you've been deceived. Uh, we have the, uh, uh, the secret mark. We have the gospel of Peter and the gospel of Thomas and a source called Q. And uh, these old documents have, are showing you that what you've been believing is not true. Now, let me explain to you how that works. Even here, Luke says, as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration. There would have been people in those days who were trying to say what they knew is the truth, but then there would be others that would be contradicting them. And so the early church got some of those, those articles that they were reading, those treatises that they were doing, and they said, this is not true. And they rejected it, and they put it aside. Because they had the truth. And they had the writings of the gospel writers and the Apostle Paul and Peter, John, Jude, those, those guys. Now, fast forward from that day to our day. We're talking about a couple thousand years. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up and says, Hey, you know what we've been believing is wrong. We found this old document that says this. Well, if somebody doesn't know the absolute certainty of those things which are most surely believed among us, you might think, whoa, whoa, wait, what is this? And so these guys called the Jesus Seminar, this is about a hundred self-imposed scholars of the New Testament. Let me tell you who a scholar is. A scholar is someone who agrees with me. Now, do you understand that? I'll give you an example. Do you know of a Democrat who believes there is such a thing as a Republican scholar? They don't agree. Now, you could switch it around the other way as well. Uh, a scholar, if, if we don't like those people or they don't believe what we believe, they're not a scholar. Uh, but if they believe like we believe and they're our buddies, they're a scholar. So these self-imposed 100 scholars, Jesus Seminar, they got together and they were going to agree with colored beads. They had a red one, a pink one, a gray one, and a black one. 
these guys were going to determine by vote with the beads how much of the New Testament is of, of Jesus, how much of it is real, how much of it isn't. So when they would read something that Jesus said, if Jesus probably said that, they put a red bead down. If they thought, well, there's a possibility he may have said that, they put a pink bead down. If they said, you know, we believe that his disciples messed with that information, or the early church messed with that information. And so they put a gray bead down. And if they were absolutely positive that Jesus did not say that, they put a black bead down. Here was their conclusion. By voting of those beads, they came to the conclusion that Jesus did not say 82% of what the Bible says he says. Now, if you really want to know the truth, they don't believe he said the other 18% either. They just don't believe it. Now, remember, these guys are 2,000 years later removed from the scene. There's a word here that is so powerful, especially from a medical doctor. Would you notice what the Bible says in verse 2? The little word, eyewitnesses. Remember Al Primo in Philadelphia, eyewitness news? You can see for yourself. The word eyewitness is the word auto optes. Optes is from the uh, oculent to be able to see. Auto is to see for yourself. Now, if I said, do you know what the word autopsy is? You say, oh yeah, autopsy. Now, you may not know what it is, but you know that word. An autopsy is someone typically a medical examiner, is going to see for himself who this person is, if he is who they say he is, and if he really died the way they say that he died. They are going, when I first saw this, I went to the medical examiner's office uh, over in Fort Myers, and I said, I'd like to speak to somebody who does autopsies. And I, I was going to ask him if I could watch one. Now, I did not get to, and just... <laughs> Just between you and me, I'm glad I didn't get to. But I talked to them about it. I said, what is an autopsy? They said, well, we take this cadaver, and uh, they look it over, and uh, they notice whether it's a black person, a white person, or whatever. And uh, they note the color of hair, if there's any tattoos or any birthmarks. Uh, they note the length, the height. Uh, they note this two old boys up in Kentucky. He said, I need a ladder. He said, why do you need a ladder? He said, I want to measure how tall that pole is over there. He said, well, there's one laying on the ground over there. Go measure that. He said, I don't want to know how long it is. I want to know how tall it is. <laughs> so they measure how tall this person is, how much they weigh. They do a full external exam. And then they open them up. And they start going through the organs. And uh, they can tell you with an autopsy how this person died. So an autopsy is that you can see for yourself. So I thought, you know, it would be good sometimes for people who love God, Theophilus, people who are a friend of God, people like you, that you could see for yourself 
You don't have to take some Johnny come lately, 2,000 years removed, Jesus seminar, who don't believe it anyway. You can see for yourself. The Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We were with him in the holy mount. We heard him say, he was an eyewitness. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, 1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. That life was manifested, we've seen it, and declared unto you. Do you understand what John is saying? We were there, eyewitnesses, we heard him. Now the real impact of that expression, we heard him, and it's like it's still ringing in our ears. We can still hear him. We have seen him. And then he's not trying to be redundant when he said we have looked upon him. Did you ever go to a, a play? Uh, maybe it's a church play. They were putting on the Messiah. And you were just caught up in this. And so you, you're looking. Now you're really caught up in it. And you lean forward and you put your chin in your hand and your elbow is on your knee. You're, you're looking into it. And our hands have handled it. Did not Jesus say, touch me? Handle me and see. Spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. You got anything you need here? Our hands have handled of the word of life. Now, just a simple question. Would you rather believe John, who said, I've heard him, I've seen him, I've really seen him, I've looked upon him, and I've handled him. You'd rather be, believe him or some guys 2,000 years later who never heard him, who never saw him, who never looked upon him, and who never handled him and said he didn't say that. Which would you rather do? It makes a whole lot more sense to listen to a guy like John. Do you know why that kind of thing catches on today? Because uh, for the most part, churches are in the entertainment mode. They're not so much interested in thus saith the Lord. You know, we preach the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. You're blessed to go to a church that preaches the Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible. Because then you get a foundation for what you believe. Of those things which are most surely believed among us. That you might know the certainty of those things in which you've instructed. Today we have, we have a restaurant religion. We have McDonald's. You deserve a break today. So we're not going to preach to you today. Maybe the whole month you deserve a break today. You've been listening to this Bible for a long time. You deserve a break today. And then we have Burger King religion. Have it your way. You can have a traditional service, a contemporary service, a blended service. What about a hard preaching service? 
How about a soft preaching service? Is it possible that we could ever get to where you'd have a, a Mohammed service, a Buddha service, have a church? Now, if we're going to have restaurant religion, I like Wendy's better. Old fashioned, hot and juicy. See, that's where Vance Havner went back to when he got off into liberalism and he saw there was no power there. He got back to that which was old-fashioned, hot and juicy, that which changed lives. So Luke is writing to us, and he is wanting us to know the certainty of those things. Now, I don't know why I haven't done this, and I'm going to do it. Famous last words, I'm going to do it. Now, I have read Luke, and I have read Acts both of them, multiple times. But since Luke wrote both of them, I want to sit down sometime, maybe just take a day, and read through the Gospel of Luke, all 24 chapters, and go right from Luke 1 to 24 to the book of Acts, 1 to 28. And uh, here's a guy who told us all about, it's interesting that he's a medical doctor, and uh, he discusses the virgin birth in detail more than any of the other writers. Here's a medical doctor who believes in the virgin birth. You know why? You know, when you think about the life of Jesus Christ, it is so impossible. It cannot be true unless it's true. You're talking about the incarnation, the virgin birth, the sinless life, the vicarious death, the resurrection, the essential, and the promise of coming back. Who could invent such a life? First of all, why would you want to invent such a life? And the only reason it's true is because it's true. God thought it and brought it. And so here is Luke, this medical doctor. Uh, he has 20 miracles recorded in this book, six of which are not in either of the other Gospels at all. He has 23 parables in this book, 18 of which are not in Matthew, Mark, or John. When you think about two of the most powerful and blessed of God parables, the prodigal son and the good Samaritan, those two stories have impacted the world for centuries. Many a young man has been saved from a life of hog pen living by hearing the story of the prodigal son. And a lot of folks have been changed by the story of the Good Samaritan. That's only two. Now remember, he is writing us and he is telling us that I want you to know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast believed. Now, we're coming up on the Easter season, so you might as well expect it. Uh, there's going to be somebody trying to tell you that uh, we've been deceived, we've had truth hidden from us, and uh, that's just not true. The truth that has been hidden. See, what they accuse us of, they say, you're trying to invent a Jesus uh, by embellishing all these things that uh, for him to be who you want him to be. Well, they're inventing a Jesus that they want him to be. And I don't want to invent Jesus at all. I just want to believe what is revealed to us. And they are not believers. And so they're, they're creating a Jesus. It's just not real. 
you and I ought to make it a point every day to get into the gospel. Larger than that, every day to get in the Bible. Uh, if you don't get in the Bible, you open yourself up for the stuff that will be coming out in just three or four weeks about who is the real Jesus. If you're in the Bible, you can say, I know who the real Jesus is. And uh, that real Jesus is my Savior. Uh, Luke wrote in chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke presented Jesus as the ideal man, and he loves the outcasts, he loves the downtrodden, he loves the poor. He has more to say about women and children than the other writers. He just cares. God used this medical doctor to give us an eyewitness account. People who are there. Now, you can be there as you read what is revealed to us. And remember, God is not trying to deceive us. Jesus is the truth, and he said, thy word is truth. And you have the truth, and you can know the truth and live the truth. It's up to us whether we're going to do that or not. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, thank you today for your grace and goodness for this little powerful prologue to the book of Luke. You've been so good, Lord, to give us this. And we love you for it. May we love thy word. Before we conclude that prayer, are you in the Bible every day? I don't mean you have to read like the whole book of Luke. It'll take you a little bit to do that. But you could read something in the Bible every day. If it's not your daily habit of getting into the word, sitting right where you are, you ought to say, dear Lord, help me every day to get in the Bible. And you teach me out of thy word. Is there anybody who would say, Pastor Strange, I've not been in the Bible every day, but God helping me, I'm going to do something in the Bible, a little bit, something in the Bible every day. You just slip your hand up and see if anybody like that. God bless you. Lord, may we be Bible people. In Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.